Welcome to the Truth Across Time podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Farmer. As a lifelong student of history and English, I enjoy learning about the cultures, customs, and lifestyles in the Bible. Please join me as we explore the fascinating world of biblical events and the people involved. You'll see that the people of the Bible had concerns, triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, successes and failures, not too different from our own. But because the Bible is God's Word, we can learn spiritual, eternal truths while looking at those people. Now let's go on this adventure and explore the truths that cross the limits of time and location. Welcome to the newest Truth Across Time podcast series, The Humanity of Our Heroes. In this series, we're looking at several people who are considered heroes of the faith, people who played important roles in the Bible narratives. You know, we have a tendency to put these people on pedestals, thinking of them as sort of superhuman. And they were special people, people handpicked by God for particular roles and special jobs. But you know, they were also just people, people with human flaws and shortcomings, people we can relate to in several ways. I love that the Bible doesn't skim over the humanity of our heroes. It often shows them up close, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It takes nothing away from their gigantic accomplishments. It simply reminds us of a wonderful and gracious God who can and will use us in spite of our flaws. That gives me hope, and I hope it does the same for you. If the heroes of the faith could be used by God in spite of their occasional failings, so can we. This week, I'm taking a look at Moses. Whew! Talk about intimidating. I'm sitting here thinking, as I record, that it's pretty audacious to tackle a subject like Moses, especially when you're going to talk about flaws. But he had some. Hard to imagine, right? But let's consider just a couple of incidents in this spiritual giant's life and see if we can peek beyond his truly heroic status and his heroic life and get a glimpse of the man who sometimes struggled with ordinary faults. Most people are pretty familiar with the story of Moses, but here's the condensed version for those who may not know. Chapters 37 through 50 of Genesis, plus the first several verses of the first chapter of Exodus, recount how the descendants of Abraham, the Hebrew people, had come to be living as slaves in Egypt for roughly 400 years. It's a fascinating, compelling story, and I encourage you to read it if you haven't done so in a while. In the opening of the second book of the Bible, Exodus, the Hebrews had been in slavery in Egypt for around 400 years. Some people say closer to 450 years. Because the current Pharaoh of that time was concerned about the Hebrew population being too large and thinking that they might help Egypt's enemies in the event of war, in his mind, they now posed a threat to Egypt's security and his own power. So he ordered the midwives who helped the Hebrew women when they gave birth and told those midwives to kill the male babies. 
the midwives didn't follow those, those orders. And Pharaoh then ordered his own people to drown the Hebrew boy babies. He thought this would reduce the Hebrew population, which he wanted to do, even though they were being used as slaves and building Egypt's cities and various other structures. When Moses was born, his mother hid him for as long as she could. Then she created a waterproof basket for him and set him in the basket in the Nile River. Moses' sister hid in the reeds and watched to see what would happen. Pharaoh's daughter, who is said by some Bible historians to have been a widow and childless, found Moses in his basket. She adopted Moses and reared him as her own child with all the privileges and advantages of a prince of Egypt, including the best education of that day, the finest foods, and luxuries that we can only imagine. We aren't told the details, but somehow Moses knew he was a Hebrew, and as an adult, he saw how the Hebrew slaves were being mistreated. He witnessed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, and Moses killed that Egyptian and buried him. He obviously had a sense of justice and of sympathy for the Hebrews. Pharaoh found out about this and was going to kill Moses, but Moses left Egypt. He crossed the desert and settled in the land of Midian, which was in the eastern part of the Sinai Peninsula. There he married Zipporah, spelled Z-I-P-P-O-R-A-H. She was the daughter of a local chieftain, and Moses lived there for about 40 years. Then God called Moses. Moses had been tending his father-in-law's flocks, but he went to look at a bush that was burning, but not being consumed. You can read about this in the third chapter of Exodus. There, God gave Moses his mission. God said it was time for his chosen people, the Hebrews, to be set free from slavery in Egypt and he had selected Moses to lead the job. Moses was to return to Egypt and demand the release of the Hebrew slaves, and then he would lead them back to the land that God had given to their ancestor Abraham, land that was reserved as their inheritance, also known as the Promised Land, or Canaan, the land that would become, in time, the nation of Israel. Initially, Moses resisted, but he wound up doing what God told him to do. He went to Egypt, confronted Pharaoh, and demanded the release of the Hebrews. You probably know that Pharaoh refused, and by his refusal, brought upon Egypt a series of ten plagues, each one worse than the other, one after the other, after each refusal to let the Hebrews go. Fast forward to, the, to chapter 12 of Exodus. The Hebrew slaves are set free, and Moses leads them on their journey to the Promised Land. This journey and critical things that happened on that journey, such as the giving of the Ten Commandments, the creation of the tabernacle in the wilderness, which was their portable place of worship and served as a prototype for the temple later in Jerusalem and other important events and lessons make up the rest of the book of Exodus. 
the role of Moses could not be overemphasized. His mission from God changed the course of human history. Many people consider Moses to be the greatest figure in the Old Testament. He was a true leader. He was utterly devoted to God. He delivered the commandments, the law, to the people straight from God. And he was a servant in the truest sense of the word. He truly is a hero of the faith, but he was still a man. And the purpose of this podcast episode is to look at a couple of his all-too-human weaknesses. It's easy to be awed by Moses' spiritual and material accomplishments. It's easy to see the greatness in him. But let's also take a brief look at a couple of instances where he revealed his more mundane side. First, he was initially reluctant to accept the mission that God gave him. He said that he couldn't speak well enough to do the job. His words are recorded in verse 10, chapter 4 of Exodus, and I quote, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In verse 13, he again asked God to send someone else. Verse 14 tells us that God actually became a little angry with Moses. However, he agreed to let Moses' brother, Aaron, to be the spokesman. God would tell Moses what to say, and Moses, in turn, would tell Aaron. Moses felt inadequate for the job. But maybe he should have realized that his adequacy, or lack of it, wasn't what was important. God does not ask us to do anything that he doesn't equip us to do. Another example in Moses' life. In chapter 17 of Exodus, while Moses was leading the Hebrews on their 40-year wilderness journey, they came to a place called Rephidim. The problem? They had no water. Just imagine, it's tough when you're hungry. Most of us have never experienced true hunger that comes from genuine deprivation. But imagine being so thirsty you think you might die. I've read estimates that say most adults, on average, can live about two months, maybe a little less, without food. But the average person can survive only about a week without water. The people complained and accused Moses of bringing them up from Egypt only to, quote, kill them with thirst. Moses cried out to God saying that the people were ready to stone him and asking what to do. God told him to take some of the elders with him and strike the rock at Mount Horeb, H-O-R-E-B, and water would be supplied. And it was. That rock was symbolic of Jesus. But the people's complaints and their grumbling had pushed Moses too far. And we read in Numbers chapter 20, verse 11, that Moses struck the rock twice out of anger and frustration. He allowed his emotions to rule him for that moment, and he spoiled a perfect picture of Jesus. 
the life-giving water from the rock is symbolic of the life that would be provided by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross many years later. Moses, by giving into his temporary emotion and striking the rock twice, disobeyed God and violated the picture that was created by God. He paid for this by not being allowed to enter the promised land when the time came. Just one more example. In chapter 31 of Exodus, we read about Moses being on Mount Sinai and God giving him the law on two stone tablets. In chapter 32, we learn that the people had become impatient with Moses' long absence from them. He was on the mountain while they were down in the base camp. They said they didn't know what had become of Moses, and they called on Aaron to make them idols, to worship, and to lead them. This is stunningly hard for us to grasp, isn't it? They had seen miracle after miracle, from being delivered from slavery itself in Egypt, to the parting of the Red Sea, to God's provision for them in the wilderness. But they quickly turned back to what they had known as slaves. They turned to idols. They were showing a gross amount of faithlessness and immaturity. They were still thinking and acting like slaves. When God told Moses to return to the camp, he also told Moses that the people had again corrupted themselves, and he was ready to destroy them. But Moses interceded for them. But when Moses got back to the camp and saw the people singing and dancing, the revelry that they were engaging in, their heathenistic revelry, and their worship of the golden calf that they had caused Aaron to make, what did he do? He threw down those tablets. He smashed them. He also had the golden calf burned and ground down to powder, and he put that powder in water and made the people drink it. He had to teach them a lesson, but boy, he was furious. Some people say that this was Moses losing control again and acting out of his fury. Some people say his fury was justified, and they defend his breaking of the tablets of the law. They say he had to demonstrate the seriousness of the people's sin to them. But many people believe this was another example of Moses temporarily losing control again. You know, Moses felt inadequate sometimes. He grew weary sometimes. He got angry sometimes. His anger was understandable and justified, but how he handled it wasn't always okay. He struggled with leading a contentious mass of people, and he sometimes got pretty frazzled. Can you relate? Do you ever make bad choices or bad decisions or behave poorly out of anger, frustration, or fatigue? Can we see some of those not-so-wonderful episodes in Moses' life and still see him as a mighty man of God? Can we understand that he was very, very human and frail, sometimes in his natural self, and yet a great man of faith? 
and absolutely devoted to God. Thank heaven, God does not expect us to be perfect. He knows we're not perfect. I think the important thing is to be available to do what God wants us to do, to do our best and to turn to Him for forgiveness and a new start when we fail. And we will fail from time to time. Moses, that giant of the faith, that heroic servant of the Most High God, so much we can learn from him. Maybe one important thing is to simply keep going, even when we flub up. Make yourself available to God. Seek his will in every matter. And when you do mess up, however big or however small, turn to him for forgiveness. Let him pick you up, brush you off, and set you back on track. Our mighty God is also a loving and merciful God. Jesus has made it possible for us to relate to the Father as sons and daughters, children of God, who sometimes really mess up, but who, with his help, can still be overcomers and champions in the faith. Please join me on my next podcast as we study more Truth Across Time. I hope this podcast encourages you to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I pray you will ask Him to be the Lord of your life today. God bless. See you next week.